You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life podcast. I'm Janine Strong, and today I'm having an inspiring conversation with Mark Gilson. Mark has served as the Director of Client Services and Product Design at Centerpoint Research Institute for over 20 years. Some of you may have used Centerpoint's Holosync meditation technologies. During that time, Mark has established himself as one of the most knowledgeable teachers in the world of meditation and sound-based therapies. He also manages Centerpoint's team of Accelerated Results Life Coaches and maintains a private coaching and mentoring practice. He's the author of numerous essays and articles on subjects ranging from personal development and mindfulness meditation to music appreciation and art therapy. Our topic today is sacred spacing or creating time and space in your life for meditation and stillness, perhaps a mental health break or time for wu-wi or I hope I pronounced that right or non-action and making a place for value in your lives. Hi, Mark, how are you? Hi, Janine, it's really fun to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because personally, I don't do enough of this myself, so I'm hoping you can uh, get me back on track. <laughs> I, I hear you. I mean, you know, every time I talk about this, it's certainly me, you know, preaching to myself as much as to uh, anybody else. So. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, it's it's great to be be with you and uh, and with your listeners too. Um, you know, there's a, a number of different ways that I talk about this topic, and um, I found in discussing it with people, especially. Uh, to a group of people that it's usually best to kind of begin with this little story um, that actually happened to me uh, sometime back in, I was trying to figure out what year it was, but it must have been like the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Well, I and, love stories, uh, so please do. <laughs> she from the late 80s, maybe, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at the time, this was before Centerpoint and, and um, you know, what I do now. Back then, I was actually um, working as a uh, a physician recruiter for the hospitals around the country. So uh-huh. I was on the phone pretty early talking to the East Coast because I am uh, in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. So at the time I was working in downtown Portland and I had this really long commute. And if, if anybody out there is living in Portland, they know driving in from the east side to downtown is going to take you a long time. And so I was usually running late to work and usually in a big hurry to get there. And on this particular morning, um, I parked my car and was rushing to the office uh, when I came sort of flying around a corner. <laughs> and I practically ran into this little older guy. And I realized he was probably homeless. He had this really ratty old backpack on. And, um, you know, it probably contained all his worldly possessions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he had kind of that grizzled look. And, you know, I knew what was coming next. You know, he said, do you have 50 cents you can spare? And I mean, I I run into a lot of people like that. And, you know, I know they say be careful about handing money out, but I usually did it anyway. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I was already fishing around in my pocket trying to get some change uh, to give him. And I didn't have any coins. So I had a couple dollars and I just kind of pulled that out in a hurry and, and stuck it in his hand and, sort of hoped he'd let me get past him and get to my office and get on with my day. And as soon as I gave him the money, you know, his, his eyes just lit up and he says, wait a second, I want to show you something. 
<laughs> so at this point, I was, uh, you know, feeling pretty impatient. But I stood there while he rummaged around through his backpack. And eventually he found what he was looking for. And um, he stepped up kind of close to me and he held something right up to my face. And it just took me a minute to realize what I was looking at. And it turns out it was a ring. And it was made of a thick copper wire. Mm -hmm. And what he had done is he took this single length of wire and wound it around a few times to make a ring out of it. Very simple. Mm -hmm. And at the top of it, he had created sort of a mounting with a little empty space in the middle, you know. Uh-huh. And um, so he's holding it right up to my face. And he said, I made this. And then he pointed to the mounting and he said, and that's the spot where the diamond would go. Aww. He was so excited about showing me this little ring he'd made. And then he said, here, this is yours. Aww. And he, he grabbed my hand and he put it in my hand. And I tried to decline, but he kept insisting. So, of course, I took it. Mm-hmm. I thanked him. You know, dropped it in my pocket and finally got upstairs to my office and plopped down on my desk to get to work. And I pulled the ring back out and put it on my desk. And every so often I'd look over at it and kind of think of that little guy and um, sort of ponder that encounter. <laughs> and, you know, the ring itself, I mean, it's just worth a few pennies. But what he had said about the spot where the diamond would go, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I really kept thinking about. Mm. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, for me anyway, just how valuable the ring really was. And it came to represent something to me that I guess – you know, at this point for me, it's really become a, a life lesson because, you know, he could have taken his ring and he could have put something in the mountain, you know, not mm-hmm. a diamond, probably, mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe a piece of glass or pebble or something like that. But, you know, instead he left the spot open and he made a place for something of real value. Mm. And I don't know about you. I don't have any loose diamonds laying around either. But uh, so I've kept the mounting on the ring open, but I keep that ring on me all the time. I always tell people it's not for sale at any price. (laughs) But um, so, you know, I mean, I don't mean to pretend that this story is terribly profound, you know, but for me personally, um, the ring is a reminder to keep a place open in my life and my schedule for value. And so Mm -hmm. this is kind of the idea behind sacred spacing. I mean, mm-hmm. what you really name it isn't all that important. But the important part is that we recognize the importance of creating some time and space for something sacred. Mm-hmm. And some people, you know, they'll do this by going to church. Some people do it by meditating, which is what I do. Um, some just take a mental health break on a daily basis. But it's just critical that we create that space and keep that space. Life will fill every minute of every day if you, if you love it. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> and, it, you know, if we're really honest with ourselves, most of the time, I mean, on a minute-by-minute minute basis, um, it's probably not all that important. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I know there's a lot of important things that we all do. Uh, and, you know, if you have a, a regular kind of 9-to-5 type job or 8-to-5 or 8-to-8 or whatever you have, um, that's enough to keep you busy and then, you know, getting home and, you know, getting something to eat and getting your exercise in or watching your TV or whatever you do. Um, there's no 
you know, people rarely kind of sit around and go, well, nothing, nothing for me to do, even if they <laughs> you know, are just sitting around watching Netflix or something. So, mm-hmm. so it's easy to fill time. Filling time is not a problem. You may feel bored. Um, I know I do, even though my schedule is crazy. I definitely have moments of boredom. Mm-hmm. But I find that if I just allocate some time each day um, that is away from distraction and that is in a specific place in my house that's set aside for this, and it doesn't have to be a room, you know, you don't need a, to kind of install an ashram or something in your, <laughs> in your living room. But, I mean, if you have a little corner of your bedroom or, um, you know, some people even use, like, they can't clean out a closet and they sort of make it their little meditation booth, you know, and they just kind of sit um, cross-legged on their Zafu cushion or, you know, their Seiza bench or mm-hmm. on the floor or whatever. And they just spend 10 or 15 minutes there. They're not watching, you know, television. They're not uh, on the phone. They're not playing, you know, Angry Birds or anything. They're just sitting and just being for a few minutes and creating that sacred space. And, I mean, this is really, um, to me, a key uh, idea. You know, you've heard it said. I'm, I'm probably going to screw up the quote, you know. But there's <laughs> something said about this, the waters that are stirred up, um, only become clear when they're left alone and no mm. longer stirred up and everything can kind of settle. And that's when the clarity comes. And that's what sacred spacing is, is all about. So I don't want to go on and on about this concept, but does that make sense to you? I know you, I've known you for years <laughs> and I know you're really, you're, you're going to tell me, you're going to tell everyone how great you are. That's right. I know you do this. <laughs> <clears throat> well, you know, it, it made me think because there are times when, like when I'm just, uh, how do I want to say it? Not not so much neutral, but when there's just nothing going on, that's yeah. when that's when the the really good ideas just pop into my head. Yeah. And and that's when that's when those those thoughts pop in that I know I should take note of, because mm-hmm. it's not th- something I was working on. Um, it just sort of came out of nowhere, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and 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 for me that's usually like in the shower or yeah. but i find that playing the harp is also um i was talking about it with my teacher one day and she said because of the harp is a difficult instrument to play and and it it occupies both your right and your left brain and it kind of puts you in a mm. place that's that's in a meditative a meditative place and I know that even if I'm feeling crappy if I force myself to sit down I've got a new thing now it's I play I have to play one song every day even if I'm feeling crappy yeah. and it's actually working because rarely do I play one song once I start I start feeling better I start feeling kind of uplifted my bad mood or whatever goes away and I get some energy yeah. and I just keep going so I, you know, I used to meditate regularly, especially when I was with Bill and, mm-hmm. you know, center point was the center of our lives. You're right. Life takes over. It's, it just seems like it's crazy. I was just talking to somebody a little while ago and I said, you know, it's, it's like everybody is so busy. Everybody's <laughs> got such full lives and to make time for friends or getting together or, you know, doing yeah. something different. It, it's like almost impossible. It's crazy. It is. And, you know, I mean, 
we talk about, I don't know if you, you know, I'm sure you read Bill's book, um, Thresholds of the Mind. Of course, oh, we're talking yes. about Centerpoint founder, Bill Harris. Um, and, you know, in that book, he, he borrowed one of, of the terms that we used at Centerpoint for a long time, which is high velocity living, which mm. really, um, I think is a great term. It really typifies uh, or describes um, the culture. And I think personally, I don't know if everyone would agree with me, but you know, I think culturally speaking, there is kind of a prejudice against stillness. Yes, yes. <clears throat> you know, we, we prize activity. I mm-hmm. mean, we, we prize diversion and distraction. And we tend to put a high value on things that um, are essentially nothing more than just kind of a distraction. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being entertained and having those things. I still, even, you know, I'm 50 years old. I still enjoy playing video games sometimes. Um you know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'll watch TV. I'm not like a person who's anti-TV, but I'm, I'm also careful to keep that in balance because right. I know that if I don't, those kinds of things just expand to fill the time that I have um, that I'm not doing something else that I have to be doing. Mm-hmm. So you do, this concept of sacred spacing, at least at first, it takes a certain amount of discipline. But here's the thing is once you have made it a habit, it actually becomes kind of the easiest part of your day. You were talking about the heart. I mean, that's a perfect example of that mm-hmm. is, you know, you start and you, you made this commitment to play one song and yet you, you almost always play more than one song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So because once you're into it and you're doing it, and in your case, maybe you could say that it's not stillness, but that's not the sole definition of sacred spacing. What you're doing is you're making a place for value. You're keeping that mounting on your ring open and available for that experience to happen that you get. And if you stopped getting it from playing the harp, and I doubt you ever would, mm-hmm. you'd probably be somebody who would, who would find something else um, to to do. Yes. And, um, My list know, so, is long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, good. You know, and, and I mean, it should be because there's a lot of things in life. I mean, you know, you know, there's so many people who I think and you get older and you start to realize, like, I mean, I heard this when I was young, and I just thought this was older people complaining how fast time goes. Um, and, yeah. and it really is almost terrible. You <laughs> know, I, I honestly, I, I mean, I used to think that that was a, kind of a function of, of aging. So um, I had read somewhere that the, um, the time was actually speeding up. And, yes. and that it has, I believe, if I recall correctly, that it has something to do with the Schumann resonance changing. And well, it makes sense to me because it, it has to be speeding up. I don't know where the time goes. Yeah. It, it, it feels like that. I've heard, those, I've heard those theories, too. I don't know. I haven't done enough research to really kind of, uh, I'm certainly no expert in this area, but I know that you know, the, 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 the concept of the expanding universe and some of these, you know, the quantum um, theory and quantum entanglement kind of give people, um, gives a suggestion that there's a reason why that feeling is. Uh, and maybe you're right, maybe it's not just aging, but I can certainly tell you for me, um, you know, it's starting to dawn on me, like, I'm not, I don't have the kind of time that I really want, mm-hmm. you know, maybe who does, but um, so that though makes the time that you spend each day even more valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, it increases the importance of of doing this, and and I won't kid you, it takes discipline. Um, you know, there are people with very, very, truly busy, hectic lives, and I really don't know how they do it. 
You know, there's people who are doing two, three jobs and they've got kids. And, oh, I know. You know, it's just, it's crazy. I, I'm, you know, I kind of do my thing and I do have, you know, most evenings, you know, not every evening, but I can, if I need to make space, I can do that. I recognize that it's not easy. And I want to mention something else too, because not only in terms of time, but physical space, I've had people who say, I live in this tiny little apartment and I don't have any, you know, <laughs> I'm overrun already. I don't have any place really to do that. Um, that I can set aside that is just exclusively for me to sit down and, and listen. Lie um, down on your bed. <laughs> there you go. I mean, sacred spacing also has to do with not just the, the physical space, but the time. Right. And, you know, if you're fortunate enough to live someplace close to a park and you can go outside or sit in the backyard or on your front porch or you know, some people, I, I, somebody on my team here named David, he's one of our uh, coaches. Um, for him, he takes a portion of his lunch break every day and he sits in his car and he practices chanting. This is something he's done for, I mean, years. Mm. Um, and he just takes a few minutes. And so if you're walking by out in the parking lot, you might hear someone <laughs> doing these beautiful <laughs> chants. I don't know what language it is, but, you know, I mean, he's. This is his sacred time, mm -hmm. and he, he creates that space just sitting in, in his car where he's not bothered, he's not distracted, and um, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. He's mm -hmm. making a place for value, and much like your heart playing, uh, that's that's something I think that uh, uh, he prizes. Mm -hmm. it, it, uh, it's, it's a huge value in his life, and I don't think he, he'd give it up. Well, you know... I was thinking, because uh, I have been meditating more, not every day yet, but I find, like for me, and this, this may not be uh, the proper use, but for me, uh, putting on my headset and listening to a recording, a, a, you know, a, a sound recording for meditation, mm -hmm. to me, it's a break from the day. Yeah. It allows, it, it allows me to go away and just, just take a break from life. I mean, maybe some of your um, listeners happen to be Holosync users, and so you know that's what Holosync is. Holosync is a sound technology that's designed to to aid and facilitate. Just had a little interruption with the phone ringing, so Mark and I just took a little <laughs> aside, <laughs> and we're coming right back now to continue the conversation on Holosync meditation. Right. Well, and you know, the only point I was making because. Um, you know, you were talking about using audio to kind of do like an audio meditation. And, and I know you've done uh, Holosync too for many years. But I mean, that's really what Holosync is. It's just a, uh, the, the benefit of the technology, which is to improve the effects of meditation and in many ways accelerate uh, the results of long-term meditation. That's obviously the, the technology's benefit. But in a way, the, the companion benefit is that it, it kind of forces you to carve that time out. If you want to get the, the benefit, you need to sit down and actually listen to it. And mm -hmm. there's a way to do that that gives you the best overall result. And that way is to basically be in a sacred spacing, you know, environment where you're free of distraction and, you know, you're not watching TV and trying to multitask. And, and uh, but, you know, there, the other point I wanted to make about that, that you kind of uh, triggered in my mind was that um, I think, it, you know, I've coached a lot of people um, through meditation over the past 23, 24 years. And it often, you know, kind of uh, strikes me how hard it is for people to do what is essentially the simplest thing 
that you can ask a human being to do, <laughs> which is to sit down for a half an hour, 20 minutes, or even an hour, and not do anything. Mm -hmm. the, the amount of resistance that we can create to doing that, you know, you don't have to think, you don't have to watch anything, you don't have to respond, you don't have to exert yourself in any particular way. What is it that's so hard? We do it when we go to the movies. Mm -hmm. We do it when we sit in class. Um, we do it if we go to church or, you know, we go to see a concert. I mean, maybe we're not sitting perfectly still, but it's still time in, in one place. But there's something about meditation that makes it extra hard. And I've had a friend for years who's taught classical Vipassana meditation and other forms of sitting meditation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he tells me he always starts off with, um, he does two, uh, he does six month courses. And he always starts off with maybe like 60 or 70 people who sign up and they're really enthused and they're ready to do this. And their doctors have said, you should learn how to meditate because your blood pressure is sky high and, you know, whatever. And, you know, after the first three weeks, that number of 50 or 60 people has dropped off to about 15. Wow. And I mean, you know, <laughs> this is a very simple form of meditation. Now, I'm not making fun of those people because I know what that's like. I know what it's like to find – I would sometimes would rather just sit and watch a rerun of a television show, <laughs> right, or take a nap. I'm a huge fan of naps. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and, you know, and for a while I used to convince myself, well, it's kind of like meditation, you know, <laughs> and it's not. But there's such a, a difficulty that we have around it, and it's not just an attitude problem. It's really a conditioning problem. And part of the challenge really with, with meditating or being still and creating that space is that it kind of puts us in uh, out of our comfort zone. And we're sort of sitting with aspects of ourselves that we don't always like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The focus suddenly begins to turn inward and the mirror begins to appear before us. And we find ourselves sort of gazing into it. And, you know, maybe we don't like what we see. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, you know, what we at Centerpoint call resistance. And um, we all have it. You know, they're like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. Everybody's <laughs> got some, some internal resistance. That's just normal. <laughs> but how do you cope with it? Right. That's and, what I was um, going to ask you. So what do you do about that? For us, the antidote to resistance is this technique called, called witnessing. And, you know, witnessing is... Um, something that uh, we've taught people for, for many, many years. And it's really just a mindfulness technique that involves watching with curiosity and accepting every thought, feeling, and sensation that you notice you're having. Mm -hmm. No judgment. The, no judgment and no fixing. This isn't, you know, we are problem solvers by training. <laughs> Everything that we have done in our lives, we think, is a result of our superb problem-solving skills. <laughs> you know, the job that you have or the money that you have or the education you have or the things that you've acquired. This is all because, I mean, down to what you had for lunch today. I mean, you had to think about how to accomplish that if you want to feed yourself unless someone's bringing you food on a regular basis, which is a pretty good, pretty good deal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but... By and large, we think of problem solving as the avenue of, to solution, um, to giving ourselves answers. Witnessing takes you out of that. In fact, it really demands that you don't get into problem solving mode at all. 
And again, we're talking about what is coming from within. Running away from something that makes you uncomfortable is sort of okay when it comes to external things. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're living 6,000 years ago and there's a tiger that's chasing you down the path, well, then run. You know, don't, Absolutely. <laughs> don't decide that's a good time <laughs> to sit down and meditate because it's not. You know, use your instincts and go. But when it comes to things that are coming from within, meaning our own thoughts and feelings and sensations, um, running away is kind of futile. You know, you, you're sort of trying to run away from yourself. And I don't remember who said it now, but, you know, that old saying, wherever you go, there you are. Um, you're right. not going to outrun your own thoughts and feelings and sensations. I would call it so, counterproductive. Yeah, that's putting it mildly. <laughs> so with witnessing what you do is you go, okay, I'm having this thought, feeling, or sensation I don't like. Um, and I know that this is me resisting. Okay? So rather than trying to outrun it or you know go into fight or flight or eat it up or make it leave me alone, I'm just going to watch it. I'm just going to become an observer of this thing. And isn't that interesting? Look how it affects me. It sort of makes me feel tense. It makes my jaw clutch. It makes my, my stomach kind of upset. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel angry. It makes me feel kind of sad. Mm -hmm. Maybe I feel tearful. So doing that is uh, done. It, what the result of doing that, I should say, is not so that you figure out a creative fix for the problem. It's so that you acknowledge the thoughts that, or the, the resistance behind the thoughts or feelings or sensations, and it dissipates on its own. This stuff wants to get out of your system. If you get out of the way, it will do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Dr. Daniel Amen, who some of your listeners may know, you know, he wrote a book called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. And in that book, the, the core of the book, the takeaway for me was that he, uh, um, and he described what many of us already kind of knew, which is that thoughts are things and that they have an impact on the material world. Mm -hmm. And they have a very specific impact on your brain chemistry. Most of the time we think of changing brain chemistry as a result of something that we eat or something that we swallow in terms of a pill or medication or something we inject or, you know, something kind of <clears throat> from the outside in terms of a substance. We don't realize that we can have many of the same kinds of effects that chemicals and, and food have on our brains by uh, actually conjuring a specific kind of thought. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Amen was one of the first people to demonstrate scientifically that the brain is absolutely capable of changing its chemistry based on thought alone. Mm -hmm. And that's what change your brain, change your life is really all about. But anyway, one of the things in that book that he brings up is um, what he calls ants, and ants are automatic, uh, automatic negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, um, if you're anything like me, there's plenty of ants to go around. Yep, yep. <laughs> Especially in today's world. So the idea is to squash the ants, and the, the squashing of the ants, the automatic negative thoughts, is done by mindfully accepting their presence. Mm-hmm. Because it's sort of like flipping the light on. And when you do that, the ants kind of scurry back into the darkness. Right. Automatic negative thoughts only thrive in the darkness of, you know, um, unconscious uh, awareness. Where we're not paying conscious attention to them. Once so, we shine the light of conscious awareness through witnessing, they can't um, 
kind of infest us anymore. They have to kind of go away because we're beginning to shift from being reactionary to making conscious, intentional choices mm -hmm. about what we want to think and feel and experience on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Interesting. So what I hear you saying is that instead of trying to push the negative, we'll say use the word negative, not useful, whatever, thoughts mm -hmm. away, trying to push them down, trying to get rid of them, it's best to shine a light on them and just observe them. It's best to become conscious and aware of them. You know, people struggle with it. And yes, you're exactly right. People, the reason it's, it's hard for us to do is because sometimes we think if we don't kind of fight these things off and are you know, constantly vigilant about this stuff and, you know, everyone kind of just, oh, no, 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 no negativity for me. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, good luck with that. Yeah. You know, it's very hard unless you're living uh, in a very remote location for a very long period of time. Um, to avoid any kind of negativity or, or toxins because you bring these things with you wherever you go. Mm -hmm. you, you are not immune to them simply because you're not on Facebook or you're not watching the news. That's right. Although mm -hmm. that can help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's a story of the, you know, the, the monk who goes to the top of the remote mountain and his goal is to attain the ultimate state of inner Peace. And he gets up there and he finds a nice cave and he's in there for five years, 10 years, 12 years. And finally, after about 15 years of solitary meditation, introspection, mm -hmm. and he feels he's finally achieved that state of unshakable inner peace. And he's so excited. Like he really wants to share this with his fellow human beings. And so he comes racing down the mountain and he comes into the village and he's, he's got a big smile on his face and he's all prepared. And you know, he says, listen, I have a secret to inner peace and I want to share it with you guys. It's going to blow your minds, you know, and somebody kind of bumps into him and knocks him down and and somebody's talking over him. And there's a kind of a kid screaming in the background and, you know, all this stuff is going on. And he, he's so unaccustomed to all that that he just loses it, you know, and he just becomes very angry and hostile and, and you know, kind of upturns a couple apple carts or something and, and runs out of the village and. You know, the, the point is, is that um, whatever piece we manage um, really only serves a purpose if it helps us remain stable and gives us, you know, you don't have to tell everybody how to attain inner peace if you are doing what you can do to, to exemplify it and live it. People can feel that vibe off you when mm -hmm. you're really in a place of comfort. Uh, mm -hmm. And they're going to want to know, you know, how is it that you're doing this? Because it's not easy. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, it, there's a lot that could be said about this, but that mindful acceptance rather than going into fight or flight is absolutely key. You don't have to like your feelings. You don't have to pretend that they are fun. You don't have to have a, a terrible experience and try to convince yourself that it's a positive, enjoyable experience, but you can't ultimately deny what is. And so many people I've coached over the years have this tendency to say, you know, I'm really angry or I'm really sad. And I know I shouldn't feel that way. <laughs> and I think, what a huge waste of time. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a waste of energy. You're, you are um, undermining your own feeling that you've already had. Right. It's too late to decide what you should or shouldn't feel because you've already acknowledged the feeling. And that's the beautiful step. Now that you've acknowledged it, it's yours to do something with. Mm -hmm. 
you can make a conscious choice now. It doesn't feel like it maybe at the moment, but you really can begin to make conscious choices about whether this is a resourceful feeling or an unresourceful feeling. And maybe sometimes you want to sit with the negative feeling. Maybe you're angry. Sit and be angry. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But do it consciously. Right. I, I think that that is the key is doing doing things consciously. I know something – I was trying to think of what it was. I can't remember now, but something was going through me the other day, and I decided to step outside of myself and watch it, and I thought, wow, this is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it, just, it really helps it to shift. It, it's, it's hard to explain how that happens. I, I don't know, but I do know that it can, it can shift things and – and just take that that emotional hook out of it. Well, you've been at retreats, I think. Um, oh, you know, many, yes. Retreats and all mm -hmm. kinds of different retreats where those kinds of exercises have been done. And I've sat through them, too. And and the thing, the only thing I'd say is sometimes I feel like the, the point is missed because, um, you know, I don't know that people are necessarily prepared oftentimes enough for the fact that the magic is not in that this is a... a a magic spell or something that just causes all your stress or your problems to go away. Um, it, it doesn't do that. Um, you know, I don't care how long you meditate and you will experience stress. That's not in question. You will suffer. According to Buddhists, mm -hmm. um, suffering is, or, you know, pain is sort of inevitable to a degree. Suffering is inevitable, but at some point you can begin to make choices about how you manage that pain and suffering. Right. Right. And this is something many people don't, in this culture, and I don't want to get preachy because this would be an easy soapbox for me to get on. <laughs> but, you know, we, we unfortunately give a lot of attention to people who suffer. Mm. I mean, and, and I don't mean true victims, but I mean people who choose suffering as a means of getting that attention. It's become an emotional currency. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so few times do we really acknowledge stillness. I mean, how many times has, have you heard a parent say, I'm so proud of my kid. You know, yesterday he spent two hours in his room just simply contemplating his life. It's like most people are going to say, why doesn't he go out and get a job? You know, why doesn't he go out and mow the lawn or <laughs> do something productive? And um, maybe he should. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking that time for yourself um, and spending a moment in that sacred space where, it's you, it's your thoughts, and not be fearful of those thoughts. Understand that you are the one ultimately that has the power through witnessing, through mindful acceptance and curiosity um, to decide for yourself which thoughts and feelings and sensations you will acknowledge and keep and which you will release. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, what other, you know, we've talked a lot about meditation and um well, first, I had a question. I had a question for you about, um, like, using sound technology versus, um, you know, say, uh, uh, Maharishi, you know, doing TM mm -hmm. or something like that. Because I've done a lot of different kinds of meditation, and and I'm I'm never sure. I mean, the one thing I like about sound is that you really don't have to do anything, and a lot of times I will fall asleep, which I like because I figure it's still it's still happening. The sounds are still happening, and if I fall asleep, you know I need some rest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the the TM and the the city yoga meditations that I did, they all involve mantras. I just you know I was just wondering what your take on on those variations. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, you know, that's a common question and it's a good one. I, I sort of usually start by making a point. I don't like to categorize meditation because there's so many different kinds and people get very attached to, you know, their, their own form of meditation. And ultimately, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. people just sort of settle on what works best for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there are sort of two general kinds of meditation. There's the active and the passive forms of meditation. And active forms are obviously forms of meditation that you do while you're doing something else, like you're reciting a mantra, you are observing a mandala, you are counting your breaths, um, something along those lines, even up to a sort of walking meditation. And some would say uh, practices like Tai Chi or yoga, um, certain forms of yoga are also forms of active meditation. Mm-hmm. Passive meditation is really just um, just being, just sitting. And, and it, it, in some ways, I think you could say that it's more challenging because you don't have anything going on. Right. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're really just sitting and watching your thoughts. Um, and as you notice thoughts, you sort of release your attachment to them. Now, when it comes to sound technology, that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> but the, the short version to me is, first of all, uh, I don't think that you can really kind of pit the concept of traditional meditation against sound-based meditation any more than you can say, I'm not sure whether I, you know, I want to get from New York to L.A., should I walk or take a car or take an uh, airplane or, you know, ride a horse? I mean, these are all just different forms of transportation. Mm-hmm. And if you're persistent enough with any one of those things or you're adept with any one of those things, you'll get there if you if you just keep going. But the advantage of some people say, well, using sound technology is kind of cheating. You know, it's kind of cutting corners. Um, it is cutting corners. And Mm -hmm. the the reason that you cut corners is because if you're like most of us, you were not raised in an environment where you were meditating daily. You were not taught that. If you're like me, you didn't learn to meditate, um, you know, until your 20s. And many people don't learn until much, much later. Mm -hmm. True. So they haven't had the ability to build up an appreciation or the cumulative benefits associated with the practice of, say, 20, 30, 40 years. And you know, so the something like Holosync is intentionally meant to be kind of cutting corners a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be sacrifices that go with using Holosync or other sound-based meditations or uh, technologies for meditation. Mm-hmm. But there are also many benefits, and one of the benefits is it speeds the process up a lot. The same way that getting on a plane is going to get you from LA to New York. Uh, or anywhere else a lot faster than walking. Mm-hmm. It's just a different form of transportation and there are pros and cons to each one. Got it. Yeah, I think that's a good explanation. Thank you. So what are some of the other ways to create sacred spacing? You know, perhaps I don't, is, is writing something that might, you know, like journaling or things like that or yeah, um, that's what, a what other, start. yeah, what other kinds of things? If somebody, say somebody just isn't, it, it just doesn't feel like that's what they want to do is meditate there. It's not meditate. calling to them. What, yeah. what other things might they do to create that space for value? I think that the, the doors are pretty wide open. I, I just think that there's a point, though, that it needs to be different enough from your normal routine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's not going to fall in the category of watching the next episode of American Idol or something. You know, that's <laughs> not 
quite the idea. <laughs> right. You know, the, the point is that um, it is sort of um, is oil on the water. It doesn't blend in. It's not supposed to. It's not supposed to look like everything else that you're doing in your life uh, or it loses that sacred element. And, mm -hmm. you know, some may bristle at that term and I understand why because it kind of comes laden with some maybe religious connotations or something that mm -hmm. not everybody's fond of. But to me, personal growth work is sacred. It has mm -hmm. to be um, because thinking of it in those terms is what makes me compelled to set aside the time and value it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that journaling would be a good thing to do. I think sometimes people, though, I'm always kind of amused by people who come up and say, well, I don't want to meditate. And I don't like meditation. And to me, that's like someone telling me that they don't like music. Mm -hmm. it, you know, there are so many kinds of music out there um, that maybe there are some people that just simply don't like music. But my guess is most people who, who would say something like that just haven't found music that kind of clicks with them or that mm -hmm. resonates with them. And I think of meditation the same way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've got a, a dear friend of mine who her practice of meditation has been for years that each night before bed, she lights a candle and sits at her dining room table in a regular good old fashioned straight back chair, makes herself a cup of tea and just spends about, you know, a few minutes just looking at that burning candle in the dark and sipping on her tea. Nice. This is space that she sets aside just for her. No phone calls, no conversations, TV's off. You know, she's, she's just not engaged in anything else, but that particular moment, she's not watching the clock. Um, and this is her sacred space. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, you, whether or not we can legitimately call that meditation, I don't think is as important as the fact that this for her is what works and creates that sense of the sacred mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. without distraction and time without having to do, 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 go, go, go. Right. I like that. That, that sounds really, really lovely. Um, I was wondering about things like, well, journaling, but in the in the sense of just being in the like stream of consciousness and just writing without thinking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or perhaps taking some colored pencils or just a pencil and paper uh, or drawing or or maybe some watercolors or something, and without without having a goal, just. Seeing what Absolutely. happens, seeing what happens. With I don't, you must be reading my mind. This oh. is something I've taught people <laughs> for years, and it's sort of a weird exercise, and I'll, I'll share it with you here. Oh, great. If you think um, people might be interested Absolutely. in this. And, and I, I will admit something. You know, this is often done um, to kind of facilitate a certain breakthrough when you're, you're coaching somebody along and um, and they're stuck. And they, they this, this is something I would often give somebody who's very left brain who's trying to kind of problem solve or analyze their way through uh, a challenge in their lives of some kind. And, and I'm, I'm coming up with ways of, of incorporating the other half of their wisdom, which mm -hmm. is their unconscious mind, mm -hmm. and I'm just the conscious mind. Okay, so um, art therapy and play therapy is, is a way to do that. And so what I tell them to do, and this is very simple, um, is I ask them first, are you artistic? And if they say something to me like, well, you know, I sort of dabbled in some uh, sketching when I was, you know, younger or something, then I'll immediately know that not to suggest that they sketch. Because <laughs> if, they, if they do that, they're going to, whatever they do, they're going to compare to past performance. Mm -hmm. okay, or they're going, going to be trying to improve on, you know, their current um, kind of baseline for their talent. 
So what you want to do is find something that they haven't done before. And this is going to be art and it could be messy. <laughs> so they could get a box of crayons. They could go out and buy some Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. You know, I happen to know you can get like six cans of Play-Doh for like four ninety nine. Wow. That's still a really good deal. So, <laughs> you know, you can get some glue and some uh, toothpicks mm-hmm. or you can get some old popsicle sticks and, you know, what it doesn't matter. A collage, a collage would yeah, be. I yeah. mean, a lot um, of people have never done a collage, and that's yeah, that's kind of fun because you go kind of like on a hunt for, the, yeah. you know, pictures or items to just create exactly. something. So you mean like going through magazines and finding images and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah and just yeah. you could even just look around the house or go outside and pick some yeah. flowers or dead things. I don't know. Yeah. Just, yeah. just whatever yeah, you comes to you. It seems like find the, something the interesting idea. in the yard. Yeah. yeah right. I mean, it seems like the idea is not to really have a goal. Well, in fact, the idea is not just to not have a goal, but the, the rule about creating is that there are no rules. You ah. can make anything you want and it can be funny or it can be obscene. It can be disturbing. <laughs> it can be meaningless. It can start as one thing and become something else halfway through. It doesn't have to mean anything. Mm-hmm. The, but the other rule is that once you are done and you decide when it is that you are done, okay. but it is done at a sitting. It's not done over the course. You're not creating a masterpiece that's going ah. to the Metropolitan Museum. Okay. 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 In fact, it's going in the trash. Oh. You're going to complete it. You're going to note what it is, and then you're going to get rid of it. Why? Because at that point, you... You, what you're doing when you create is you are investing a piece of yourself. And when you're struggling with an issue and you're using art as therapy, creation as therapy, um, you're not doing it for the product. You're doing it for the process. Got it. And oftentimes what usually happens, now if you decide, hey, I've just created something that, you know, I'm going to put on eBay and make money on, go for it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the point is, is that. There's probably pieces of your unconscious resistance, like we talked about before, that have sort of, it's going to sound a little maybe, you know, woo-woo, <laughs> as Bill <laughs> used to say. Uh, <laughs> yes. know, but but you, there's been a certain transference of energy from you into this creation that you, you've done. It's sort mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. the Frankenstein monster thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a piece of, of Dr. Frankenstein in the monster that mm. was ultimately kind of the the interesting part for me anyway of that of that book it's an amazing book amazing story mm-hmm. but anyway the creation piece of it is you're you're kind of unloading some of your unconscious resistance and internal blockages maybe even toxic stuff into this thing you create even if it becomes a thing of beauty and the moment you destroy it or you get rid of it you break your attachment to those things mm-hmm. you have sort of officially released and you've used both sides of your your conscious and your unconscious your left and right hemispheres um to do that so it's very powerful now you know again remember you're doing something that you're not it's if you're a professional writer that's not going to work if you're writing that's why Mm. you know it's recommended to do something you're not used to doing i see Mm -hmm. okay so you wouldn't for example you're a beautiful uh musician with the harp I've, i've heard you play it's not like you would write a beautiful piece for the harp and then throw that away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because mm-hmm. that's your value space, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you might do something artistically that you create and then you, you crumple that up and throw that away. And it's hard for people to do, but I'm telling you once they do it, it is one of the most liberating things people go through. Hmm. 
That's fascinating. Is there a better way to get rid of it than, I mean, is crumbling <laughs> good or is it better to burn it or? I, I, you know, there are people that have burned it, um, you know, for safety reasons. I usually tell, right, I know. recommend I that people that. get the fire out. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you can run it over with a bulldozer if you want to. I mean, it, it doesn't so much matter. The point is that you're not keeping it around anymore. You're letting it go. You're letting it go. It's mm -hmm. it's become now a thought form mm -hmm. um, rather than a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's served its purpose. Mm. Mark, that's excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I have a strong sense that a lot of listeners are going to want to do that. Try it. I hope so. Yeah. And, um, you know, before we wrap up, I just wanted to remind people, too, because uh, you told me I could do this, <laughs> which is to, to let people know um, about Holosync. I know, uh, you know, not everybody's cup of tea is going to be using Holosync for meditation, but I'm telling you, there are so many people getting involved with this right now. Um, I've been here for 22 years mm -hmm. and um, the, the surge in interest in this. And I think really, you know, we could go on about kind of what state the world is in these days. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, this is a perfect time for people to take up meditation um, of some kind. Um, so if anybody's interested in, in what CenterPoint's about or what I do, what Holosync really is and you know, does this stuff really work and all the usual questions, um, there's going to be a link I said that, or you said I think was going to be on the page. Why don't you tell it to us too because not everyone does go to the website. Sure, and, that's fine. Uh, we'll have both. So this is, uh, I'll just read this out and then... Um, it is just going to be www.holosync, which is H-O-L-O-S-Y-N-C.com. And then there's a forward slash, and it says 5DC-registration. So is that the number five, mm -hmm. 5DC with a dash or hyphen, mm -hmm. the word registration. registration. And that stands for five-day challenge, and that's what you would sign up for. There's no uh, cost to this. It's really just intended to keep, give people a taste. Um, and even if you, you sign up for it and you don't do it, if you sign up for it, one of the cool things is you get to see all these comments from other people who are doing it. These are not, you know, these are real users on a daily basis. And I get, every time I get in the office, first thing I do is I open up the five-day challenge comments and see what kinds of experiences <laughs> people are having. It's so much fun. So even if that's all you do, just get sign up and read. You can, you know, you will be on our mailing list. Yes, you can opt out immediately if you want to. But it's so much fun to go in there and just read the comments from people who are just getting such an amazing, impactful experience out of this. Huh, that's cool. Now, so five-day challenge, is it to stick with it for five days? Is that the challenge or what's the challenge? Yeah, five? every day there's a short video to watch. And that each video, um, what you see on the video is our founder, Bill Harris, mm -hmm. uh, who developed the program. And um, <clears throat> the five-day challenge was his idea. So you'd watch a short video, uh, and then there is a four, I think it's fourteen minute long meditation. Mm -hmm. So you plug your headphones into your laptop or your phone or your computer. You sit back and you listen, and you're listening to real legitimate, you know, um, holosync. It's rainfall. It's Tibetan crystal bowls, which you know we use these sounds for specific reasons. Mm -hmm. And then the holosync is embedded beneath it. Sometimes you'll hear a little bit of a hum, which is the technology. Sometimes you won't. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of sit back and notice your feelings and gives you a chance to kind of start your practice of sacred spacing um, 14 minutes a day. And, you you know, if you do one or two days and you give up or you stop and decide it's not for you, no problem. But most people do get through all five days and love it. 
can you repeat it or are, does it like sure. go away after the five days and you don't No, you can access? listen to it over and over. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Well, that's a nice way to, to start. It's an easy, obviously inexpensive way to start your personal space time. Yeah. And I mean, you know, most people it's, I, I do want to say in all, all fairness, it, this is, it's not a substitute for the main program mm-hmm. tracks. So it really is meant to be uh, a sample, a taste. So, you know, please don't get the idea that this is going to completely revolutionize your life just by doing a few days. It does take time to get the benefit out of this, but, right. but it's a great way to kind of kickstart your sacred spacing practice, if nothing else, whether you join our program. Or yeah, not. that's what I was thinking. I mean, obviously it's a marketing thing um, yep. and it's to get people in, but still you don't have to, and it's, it's free. And if you can't think of something else you'd like to create your your space for yourself at least this is an easy thing to do exactly that's right yeah so sign up if you want to if you have any questions though uh, certainly you're always welcome to call a lot of people don't know that we hope we have a support team here these are people these are not call center people who are just here to you know take an order right Um, we have a great team of coaches that's been assembled and so if you ever want to call uh, and ask questions or get to know us a little bit. Um, do you care if I get the number out? No, go ahead. Yeah, no, because this is, I know for a fact that this is a well-trained team. So, Yeah, I know you do, and we appreciate <laughs> you saying that. <laughs> but uh, you can reach our Centerpoint team Monday through Friday from uh, 9 a.m. Pacific to 4.30 Pacific at 503-672-7117. So give us a call. That's why we're here is to talk to folks like you. And uh, whether you're in the program or not, we'd love to to hear some feedback from you and see how you're doing. Cool. That's great. Well, Mark, this has been really, uh, really valuable. I'm, I'm really glad we did this. I, I'm so glad I thought of having you on. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> well, me too. It's been a lot of fun. I know. And reconnecting has, as I've said, I'm sure people are tired of me saying this, but mm-hmm. reconnecting with old friends has been the highlight of my doing this. Um, I'm just so grateful that I can do it and that I can reconnect uh, with people who I hold dear. It's been really, really nice. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You know, you've got a special place in my heart. And, oh, uh, thank you. And you're doing an awesome job with with, um, with your podcast and, and everything else that you're doing. So it's a lot of great content out there. I hope people are paying attention to all that material. Oh, thank you. You know, the, the main thing for me is to get people to share and just get it out there because I'm, I'm just really, I'm, this is my service. You know, I really do feel like the people that I'm having on my podcast have some really good things to say and important and they're smart people and they're knowledgeable and experienced and they have a lot to share. And so um, not just for, for me, but for you guys, I want, I want to get it out, increase the listener base. So Yeah, well, it's been an honor to be a, a part of that. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. It's been really fun. I appreciate it. You bet. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Janine. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Mark. All right. Ciao. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And thank you so much, Mark Gilson, for sharing your wisdom and expertise with us. I know I'm going to benefit from this conversation, and I hope you do too. The podcast website is realjanine.com, where you can listen and download episodes. Sign up for the podcast bi-weekly blog newsletter to keep up on new episodes, archives, life updates, and remember there's always a yummy recipe. And remember, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. 
To subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. And I have a Keeping It Real with Janine YouTube channel now. I'm creating video slideshows of all my conversations. So please check it out. Go to YouTube at Keeping It Real with Janine and subscribe. That'll really help me out. Do you know someone who would benefit from my conversation with Mark Gilson? I know you do. Please share the love. Thanks for listening. Take care and be welcome.